everybody, and welcome to the Makers of Minnesota podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Hansen, and I'm here today with a guest that I had, boy, probably back in year one of the podcast. I'm here with Lee Wallace. She is the CEO of Peace Coffee, and we talked such a long time ago, Lee. It's like it may as well have been a different universe because you were just launching um, coffee shops at that point. And, you know, like any evolving business, your whole model has probably shifted again. So let's just like go from pre-pandemic, you had some coffee shops, you guys were selling in stores and get us caught up on what is happening with Peace Coffee now. And welcome to the program, first of all. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Sure, absolutely. Um, I Somebody was asking me a question the other day and I was trying to put things together and I was like, oh, it's that timelines are so weird now and it's so hard to reconstruct everything. But yeah, in 2019, we had four coffee shops. Um, we had three in downtown Minneapolis and one in the Longfellow neighborhood. And we were, you know, working on beginning to, to think about, okay, we're this, you know, we've always been sold all across the country, but really we're beginning to take our first big steps toward what does it look like to begin to scale more nationally? And then um, COVID hit and it closed the shops immediately. Um, well, after we learned that we had to yep. close the shops. March yeah. 15th-ish. Yeah, March 15th-ish. Um, cl- closed the coffee shops uh, and, you know, the good news about being in coffee is it's not like people are going to stop drinking coffee just because of a pandemic. So what happened was really our business shifted quite dramatically. So prior to the pandemic, our number one product was five pound bags of coffee. And those were going to colleges and universities, um, offices, uh, you know, bulk sets and co-ops, uh, you know, bulk sets and specialty grocery, yep. everything that went away during the pandemic, right? Um, that's mainly where those five pound bags of coffee are going. And then the uh, our second most, you know, best seller would be a 12 ounce bag of coffee. Well, all of a sudden everybody's drinking coffee at home. Uh, and so those 12 ounce bags of coffee just started disappearing. Um, and so then we pretty quickly realized, wow, you know, it takes just as much work to bag, put five pounds of coffee in a bag as it does to put 12 ounces of coffee in a bag. Um, so we added a second shift. So we were able to bring some of our coffee shop employees back in because we had to add a second shift just to bulk up on the amount of 12 ounce yeah. bags we were we were able to produce. So that was a really good sign. The other thing that started really taking off was uh, online. Like everybody else, our peacecoffee.com business just exploded because it's a super safe way um, to shop. So I think that business grew you know, 300% um, and and we're still continuing to, to grow that platform, but all of a sudden we have this sizable e-commerce business. Um, so food service went away, but you know people started getting their, their coffee in other ways and, and it was a scramble, but we figured it out. And you know I consider um, us to be, a, a, you know, talk to my friends in restaurants during that time. It was, it was, the struggle was real. We needed to, you know, I always call it log, like it's, it feels like log rolling, right? When you're an entrepreneur, you're just trying to yep. stay on the log, right? So we, just had, analogy. Some, we just had to do some log rolling during that time. Um, but yeah, and then as time went on and 
our growth continued, um, you know, and we began to get into more national accounts and we begin to um, grow into more of a, of a national business. It, the decision seemed pretty clear, like, let's focus on this part of our business. Let's not reopen the coffee shops. So that, that we did had shops for about 10 years, learned a ton, um, but we're focusing on our wholesale business now. So how did you leapfrog from a Minnesota-based coffee maker company yep. to national? Was it simply because of the online activation and really being more robust there that people in other markets found you? Or how did that work? Was it intentional? It it was intentional. And, and you know, when I, I, you know, I bought the business in 2018 from the former owners, and part of my desire to do that was to... to um, be a little bit more aggr- aggressive on the growth front. Um, and, and I will say, you know, it probably all tracks back to Target. And, you know, we have done a really good job and we've built a really good partnership with them and they've done a really good job. Um, you know, from our first meeting with Target years ago, um, you know, they were saying, look, you know, walk before you run. And that always has been my growth mentality. So, you know, I, I know it's so easy to be, we're entrepreneurs and it's so easy to be like, yeah, I want to be in every Target store. Um, well, some really big businesses have done that and they failed. So with us, it's been, you know, incrementally growing our store count every year with Target. The coffee buyer there's great. Um, and, you know, just p- helping work with him to say, okay, here's some new geographies where we see we've done well in a small grocery store chain or things like that. And if we can prove ourselves in a new geography, then um, typically in our next review meeting with the coffee buyer at Target, he'll say, oh, he'll take that information and, and work to um, expand our store account. So, um, you know, we have yet to learn what our growth is going to be this year with Target, but um, we have a, a pretty solid track record of just going into new geography. So at this point, we're like Michigan down d- into Denver and then Oklahoma, Texas, kind of that's our path with growth with Target. And then um, we've also had really solid growth in the natural channel. That's a great home for us. So, um, you know, we got into all of the sprout stores, which go from California to Maryland in the past few years. And so then you can use that case study to, to that, you know, we're very strategic in terms of demonstrating a good case study and then using that to find other retailers that we want to be in. So you mentioned earlier, and I've heard stories about people, they get into Target and it's super exciting. And then you realize, like, just because you're in Target doesn't necessarily mean people will buy your product. Right. And it's harder to uh, get that pull through. Right. Do you, like, I have a sneaking suspicion that your packaging has a lot to do with people's brand trial of you. And then they like the product and they're like, oh, this is good. I'll buy it again. What do you attribute that first purchase of Peace Coffee to when someone's standing in a Target aisle looking at coffee? I think you're right. I think your your pack ideally your packaging is going to work really hard for you. And we've made a very intentional decision with our packaging to a try to put the most important information, make it really easy for people to find the most important information. We've learned we have not done that well on previous versions of our package. So I think you know we we've learned over the years and iterated over the years. And I think it's important to update your packaging as you learn things. Um, Two, I think, you know, 
the way we position the brand stick stands out in the coffee category. I think a lot of coffee companies tend to come across as very serious. Um, and what we know about coffee and the consumer research on coffee is coffee is very emotional for people. It's, you know, it's me time. It's their morning ritual. It's, you know, and, and I don't know, I don't need to be really serious during me time. I, it's okay for someone to say, you know, you be you enjoy yourself, you know, have a good time. We're doing all the hard work for you. Yep. Um, and, and I think we also, you know, we're not saying to folks, drink this cup of coffee and it's going to change your life. We're saying drink this cup of coffee because it does good things for other people. And I, I think that stands out as well. And we know, and you were so early adopting in this, I mean, the brand from the get-go, we know that people like to make purchases that help the community, help the environment, give back. And you've made it real easy and it's been a huge platform for you from the get-go and it's almost like it's baked into your company logo, your persona, everything about Peace Coffee feels like that give back movement. So it was very timely and prescient that that was the brand ethos from the get go, because you didn't have to like work so hard to create that after the fact. And and I, I give consumers credit, right? I think, you know, they can tell the difference between a brand that was built around this set of values versus a brand that was reverse engineered yes. to try to appeal to consumers. Like, you know, they're smart. And, and yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's been interesting over my career to go from being kind of the outlier to now being mainstream, right? I've been doing the same thing the whole time, yes. but somehow, you know, my sets of issues have become mainstream now, which is great. I love it. Super yep. fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, how I many, think people, yeah, can sense that in the brand. How many people are in the company now? We have about 55 employees. Yeah. So, so it's not small. small yeah, smaller than when we had the, all the shops, right? Then we then we had like eighty some staff members. So, um, you know, interesting to to yeah, it's not a it, we're not a small company. Um, we're we we still feel like a small company. I still feel like I run a small company. Um, but then yeah, I I, I also forget that I've been doing this for a while. So let's talk about the Keurig pods because yeah. you guys have gone into that technology too, and. It's like so convenient to do a Keurig and it's such a huge part of wholesale, obviously with hotels and it's really handy. Um, but there is a lot of talk about like the pods themselves and are they disposable and how do you compost them and how does that work? Tell me about your specific trajectory in that profile. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously pods have been out there for a long time and obviously we have not participated in that segment of the market for a long time. Um, you know, as specialty coffee has become more mainstream, if you will, and as people have said, oh, I'm interested in exploring, you know, beyond Starbucks and exploring local brands or exploring, you know, smaller brands than Starbucks or more unique brands. Um, you know, we, we've seen people kind of work their way into the category. And I just began reflecting on, um, is there an opportunity if we can find the right product? Is there an opportunity in the pod space to similarly introduce people 
to specialty coffee. And it, you know, what's, what consumers tend to do, and this is, you can see this with Starbucks, right? So as people start to explore coffee, and a lot of times now it's happening, you know, when people are teens, right? But they start with sweet and creamy. And then, you know, they kind of ladder up uh, into, into a different experience. And I began thinking, there gotta be pod people out there who love a K cup and it, but want a different set of things alongside that. You know, maybe it's a, a higher quality coffee bean. Um, maybe it's a more eco-friendly way of getting that kind of coffee. And so it just seems like the right time to explore. Is there a more, is there a consumer in that space whose needs aren't really getting met in terms of both quality and the sustainability of the solution that we're offering? So, um, you know, we began searching for solutions um, to, to reach that consumer. And one of the really interesting things uh, about, about coffee um, is that one of the biggest sources of waste associated with coffee is actually the coffee that gets poured out of the pot at the end of the day. And so when I really began reflecting on that and specialty coffee sort of traditional um, belief that the pod person doesn't want a really premium coffee experience, I began thinking, I think we're missing part of the equation here because I know I don't, I don't brew a pot of coffee anymore, but when I did have a pot of coffee, I would pour a lot of coffee away. And there is space for that single cup experience and there's space for people who are really busy and have a bunch of kids and just need to make their darn cup of coffee right so um and then it's like okay well if we're going into that space we've got to do it the peace way which is to do it in a sustainable way so we found a solution um the the there's no plastic cup um the bottom is just mesh so it can be composted the same way your coffee filter can be composted um and then the ring that supports it is made out of a combination of uh, mainly wood and corn, um, which is fully compostable in commercial composting settings. So not in your backyard, but um, if you either drop your compost off or get it picked up curbside, you can put it in there. Um, and so that that to us felt like, you know, th this is an expression of, of who we are. and We can launch this product. I love the you talked about the last bit of the pot getting thrown away because I think about that because my husband and I are just two people and we're big coffee drinkers. And there is, it seems like either we drink the whole pot and then we make another half and there's that last bit or, and, you know, I have ice cube trays and we make ice cubes and we try to like repurpose and reuse, but no matter how you do it, sometimes you just end up pouring out some coffee. So it's interesting. We've talked about a single cup you know, mostly I think for the afternoon and the evening coffee drinking too, mm -hmm. where, you know, you're going to have a decaf maybe, or you're going to have something um, that feels like a little elevated experience that you're just going to have the one. I don't know. It mm -hmm. does feel very different than your morning pot to me. And it's interesting how many people own both. So I got consumer research that said a lot of people own both a single cup brewer and the larger brewer, whether yeah. they're holding the larger cup brewer for when they have company over, or they use the single cup during the week and they use the larger cup on the weekends. So yeah, a multi-cup on the weekends. So yeah, that people own both, which yeah. was totally new to me. Okay. So Peace Coffee has a huge reputation as uh, being a great local Minnesota company. Now you're in, I'm just going to throw a market out there. Let's just say Maryland, where yeah. you don't have 
this huge Minnesota following, you don't have that touchstone. When you are introduced to a market like a Maryland, how do you do the marketing and what do you do different? Because it has to be a completely different approach for getting pairs of eyes on your coffee inside the store. I mean, I think the key is really to understand uh, the retailer that you're in and then the way that they run promotions. So your biggest tool as a growing brand, because I can't market to the entire state of Maryland in a four Right, of course. Right, I, I can't, you know, there's just, it's not. And what, what we find is, okay, we're getting to Sprout stores. Out of the population of Maryland, how many of them reasonably go to Sprouts? I mean, we can do good business in Sprout stores, but, you know, you can't use the shotgun and say, yep. right? Um, so I, I think, you know, your number one tool is really get, you know, get those sale tags up, right? I mean, first, make sure you get on shelf properly, support the product, make sure, you know, the execution is right. Then it's really have, have the correct promotional strategy to really drive trial. So people say, oh, this is new. Oh, look, that packaging's cute. Oh, it's fair trade and organic. Yep. Like, you know, I mean, obviously you've got a really good product in the bag that I would say put put out, you know, because if people buy it once and they don't like it, you're you're done. But yeah, that's the uh, beginning. it's the beginning. Um, but then I would say, yeah, number two is um is making sure you have the right promotions. And then we have um, expanded our investment in digital marketing quite a bit. So, you know, finding our consumers, um, whether that's finding our consumers and, and running promotions specifically targeted to them. So people who like fair trade organic coffee, um, then I would say also, you know, we're investing in, in the retail platforms themselves. So yeah, different, so consumers have different platforms. Consumer. Yep. Yeah. And then, um, the, the, and then, yeah, the last piece would be, um, just supporting with digital marketing as it makes sense. But I think the best lever the brands have really is promotions. And I think sometimes people are afraid of those because they're pretty expensive in a store and, yep. you know, I guess it makes so much sense. Like here's this brand that has welcomed you into their store and they are giving you all these mechanisms with which to reach their customers, but they all cost money. I mean, that's kind of the right. hidden part of it that maybe consumers right. don't know. But why wouldn't you be totally investing in those platforms? Is it just because they're too expensive or people? I, I can't yeah. imagine why you would think that you don't need to do that. I mean, the reality is that it's the best way to get people to try your product for the first time. And yeah. if you can't grow the number of people who are repeat purchasers of your product, then it makes it really hard to stay on shelf. And that also is very expensive, right? It's very expensive to fall off a grocery shelf in terms of a, it sets you back. You're not bringing that revenue anymore. B there's going to be a bunch of product that has to be discontinued, things like that. So I, I get it. And, and, you know, we look very, um, carefully at retailers before we go into them so i mean we're we're i mean it's it's not like we're sitting here and people are coming to us i don't want to give anybody the impression that we're just sitting here and people are coming yeah. to us and we're saying no we don't want to be on your shelves but you're more but mature we, yeah we look we're, we're thoughtful about who we're trying to partner with and one one aspect of things that we analyze is how expensive is it to do business with this retailer do they require a ton of, of free product? Do they require slotting fees? Uh, are they going to have minimum or maximum expectations for promotions? How does that fit within 
um, you know, we have a certain percentage of sales that we want, you know, a certain percent of our revenue, I mean, that we say, okay, we're going to budget X percent of revenue for trade support. And so we really need to understand what retailers' expectations are. I see. So being really thoughtful and maybe not moving too quickly into a retailer, even though it looks like it'd be a great opportunity, because if you can't afford to market properly while you're there and then you get yanked again, it's right. just, yeah, I, I've never yeah. thought about that. And that's a really good thing for emerging brands to think about. Even it though is. you get invited to a retailer, make sure that you are prepared both emotionally, psychologically with your team, but also financially to be able to support the launch in that retailer. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, Peace Coffee, I have a friend who always jokes that Peace Coffee is the 25-year-old overnight success, right? And and yes. I, and you know, there are some companies that are designed to be rocket ships and good for them. Um, and sometimes you just have to recognize that it, it's a slog and, you know, incremental growth, steady incremental growth is, is a way to do it. And, and it's been our approach. And um, I think we're finally to the point where we can say we have a, you know, a banner in every part of the country that you could go in and find peace coffee. And then you get to that point, then it makes it that much easier with retail. Yeah, like, for sure. Oh, you can find us here. Or you can find us here. Yeah. I have a van and I travel around the country in my van for fun. And I have seen your yeah. coffee in way more states all of a sudden. And I'm like, oh, look, they're carrying Peace Coffee. I was in Palm Springs the other day and a local salsa was in a in, on the shelf. I was like, oh, look, it's fun to see yeah. other Minnesota brands making it out in the big bad world, as it were. It is so funny. I was just in Fort Lauderdale visiting family and my sister-in-law said to me, where can I get Peace Coffee? And I said, actually, you can get Peace Coffee at, at Sprouts, you know? And, and it was fun to be like at this point where I'm like, oh yeah, I can... I can help most people find our copy yeah, at this point in time. I yeah. can refer you. Okay. Totally random question. If sure. you were going to launch a product today and it's brand new, is there like a product that you're like, oh, I wish that that would be a fun product to work on or something that just you think, oh, that would be really fun? I am such a food person at this point in my life. It would... It would have to be food because that's really what I know. Um, and oh, jeez, Stephanie, I have these thoughts all the time, but then they just like tumble away know. in my brain. And I knew it would be like a weird, <laughs> oddball question, but sometimes yeah. people are like, "Oh, I wish I could work on that." Or yeah, well, you know, it. it if I wasn't, I mean. I'm also a beverage person, so I would say probably it'd be totally different, but I would love to work on like a high-end craft spirit kind of, of, of launch. I think that would be super fun and, yeah. and working on growing something in, in that segment would be uh, a ton of fun just because I really, it's, it's sort of the counterpart to coffee, right? Yeah. Um, so maybe you, you know, and my like, friend Heather Manley at Crooked Water Spirits need to do a coffee collaboration because yeah. Could yeah. be very delicious. Yeah, it could be very delicious. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, it's great to catch up with you, Lee. Thanks for getting us caught up on where you're at. And good luck as you continue to have your United States domination of Peace Coffee. <laughs> it's been super fun. We'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Stephanie. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.